Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On today's episode, we are talking key takeaways from the Big Ten Media Days last week and a historic NHL draft for the Michigan Hockey Program. Aaron, good to be with you again. It seems like it's been uh, been a while since we podcasted. Yeah, it's been, gosh, over a week now. But yeah, I think a lot of happened. You were at Big Ten Media Days. I was uh, playing some of the best golf of my life on a, on a trip with my buddies. And, you know, I couldn't record last week, but happy to be back and, and a decent amount to talk about today. Yeah, lots to talk about. Uh, we're, gosh, what, three or four days removed from Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis. Uh, Michigan went on Thursday. Didn't learn, I guess, a ton, but I, I'd say there's a lot to glean from between Jim Harbaugh's comments and what we heard from some of the players. Yeah, let's get into it. Yes, let's start off with what was the number one thing that stood out to you from media days? I I have something from following from afar, but but we'll get your thoughts first. I think every year the players say this, that they're reinvigorated and they're excited for the season and they've hit the reset button, throw every cliche you want in there. It's said every year, and I think sometimes the fan base you know makes fun of it, or they, they you know they say the media is lapping up what their players are saying. I genuinely took away from last week's trip to Indianapolis that this team is refreshed. Now that's not to say they're going to you know win the Big Ten title this year. They're not probably not going to win ten games, but you can genuinely tell that the coaching staff changes, coaching staff overall this past offseason, whatever you want to call it, has made a difference. It's resonated with the players. The mood seems to be up. There's optimism there. Like I said, that's not going to, I don't think that's necessarily going to translate to the field right away. I still, I'm going to still stand by my prediction of, you know, seven, probably seven wins this year. But there's something, I think the changes Jim Harbaugh made this offseason were good. For sure, for sure. I mean, for me, I'm going a little bit different route, but it definitely seemed like the spotlight wasn't shining as brightly as it typically does on Michigan during the preseason. But I mean, one thing that did pop up all over my Twitter feed was the one media member or reporter, or I don't really know what to call him, but starting off his, his question by saying go blue and drew a, a lot of attention from people on Twitter. You know, I don't want to say too much on it. because <laughs> To me, it's just inappropriate from a, from a journalist perspective. You shouldn't be doing that. And that's just not me saying that as a Michigan reporter. This has happened before. Uh, if we go back to 2019, Big Ten Media Days, we were in Chicago for that one. And you had a Michigan State reporter, and I use the term reporter loosely, 
ask Mark D'Antonio a question and and say go green, go white, or whatever right. that that saying is. So it's it's happened before with other schools, other coaches. It's I don't know how these people get into this thing or allowed or credentialed into these things, but it's inappropriate. It's not professional. It's like, you know, someone interviewing a politician and saying, go Biden or go Trump. It just, it just, it comes across wacky and it just, I don't know. It's, there's no place for it in a professional setting, in my opinion. Right. No, I I agree. But yeah, like you said, this happens more often than people think. I knew it drew a lot of attention this time because it was, it was broadcasted on on the big 10 network, but even regular availabilities, we hear people saying we, when they're asking questions or, like joining a couple Ohio State meteor scrums. I mean, you would hear them say that school up north for instead of saying Michigan. So, I mean, it, it happens everywhere. But, yeah, it was not a great look for that individual. But And real, real quick, before we move on for some yeah. context, there's some folks maybe rolling their eyes listening to this. Like, oh, why? What, what does it matter? For folks not in the industry, there's a, there's a standard. You know, you're supposed to act as a professional, treat yourself as a professional nature. But if you're even if you're covering a professional sports team, there are, there are typically rules in press boxes. You know, baseball, basketball, for instance. There's a no cheering the press box rule, and if you're caught cheering or doing something uh, unprofessional, you're kicked out. You're, you're told to leave. So this isn't just us on our high horse. You know, spotting our opinions. It's the nature of the business. You shouldn't be doing that. And, and it kind of creates unrealistic expectations for like these players and coaches who think that, they, that, yeah, we want media that will, you know, prop us up and write nice things about us all the time. And it's like, that's just not, not necessarily the case. That's not in our, in our job descriptions, but. If you allow that to happen and look, it's happened before, like I said, I mean, what's to stop in the future, a, a reporter say, you know, a quote unquote Michigan fan reporter from like trying to troll the Michigan state coach on the stage, then it turns into a circus and it kind of right. already is with, with that regard. <laughs> so it's just, it's just one of those things where that shouldn't happen. Like just cut it out. Don't do it. Ask your question and move on. Don't pledge your allegiance to anyone or anything. Otherwise it just, it just comes across as clownish. Well, let's, let's get into the, into the quarterback race a little bit. I mean, Harbaugh definitely made it sound like Matt DeMera is the, is the front runner heading into the fall. And I, I know it's not like he declared him starter for game one or anything like that, but were you at all surprised that Jim kind of laid out the quarterback race as, as detailed as he did? No, I mean, he's kind of already done it. You know, we spoke to him, I think at the end of April after spring practice ended and he basically laid it out then, you know, he said Keith McNamara was number one coming out of spring he said J.J. McCarthy was number two, and he said Dan Vlari was three. So that really hasn't changed much. But what has changed is the dynamic of the room. You know, they've got an additional guy come in here and, and coming in here and Alan Bowman, a guy we've mentioned in the past on this podcast. He's the wild card here. We don't know where he stands in the depth chart because he hasn't practiced with the team yet. So they don't know where he fits in, you know, how quickly he can get this offense going and how he plays. Here are the facts. He's the most experienced guy coming into the race. He's shown the most productivity. I think that the issue with him or the question mark with him is timing. Does he have enough time to learn the system, you know, acclimate with his teammates and show that he's the best quarterback available? You know, Jim, Jim likes Cade's leadership. Uh, he likes what he saw from him last year, but the reality is he only started one game and only played played a handful of games. So I, I think that's why he's the leader at this point. It's certainly Cade's job to lose just because he's been around the program a couple of years. Michigan's coaching staff obviously feels comfortable with him behind center. But no, I, I'm not. I wasn't surprised at all. Jim, Jim clearly likes what he sees out of Cade. He's talked about him a lot. His leadership, and and that's really what I think Michigan wants. The last couple of years, they've kind of 
been clamoring for a quarterback who kind of takes the reins, takes leadership over. Because here's the reality. While Shea Pedersen was talented at times and, and could move the offense, he wasn't that rah-rah, pump the guys up type of guy. He was a very quiet, shy kid who I think maybe at times was a little, you know, didn't want to rock the boat. And he just, he wasn't that type of guy. So with Cade, it's very different. He's going to step in there and, and take control if he's the guy. He, that's just how he is. That's his, in his DNA. And I think that, that's why Jim Harbaugh likes him so much. That being said, I don't think this quarterback, you know, competition is over. I mean, they've got all fall camp. Uh, Jim did say fall camp officially begins August 6th. Cade will be number one, but that doesn't mean that if he struggles and you see a huge leap from J.J. McCarthy or you see Alan Bowman, you know, take control early, that they're not going to get snaps, you know, week one against Western Michigan. Oh, for sure, for sure. And a lot, a lot of football still to, to be had during during camp to, to sort things out. And anything, any updates on the defense? Was there any insight into more of what this defense might look like for following media days? Nothing specific. I know folks are wanting to know if it's going to be a 3-4, I, I generally think that you're going to see multiple fronts, as, as the new coordinator, Mike McDonald, has said. I think they're going to do a lot of shifting and things. But one thing I did take away from media days that maybe was a little you know, cloudy before is Michigan is still going to put pressure on the quarterback. That seems to be the MO of Jim Harbaugh. He wants pressure. Uh, he wants guys chasing the quarterback, sacks. And, and that, look, that's similar to what Don Brown was was pushing. But I think you're going to see a little bit more you know, versatility, a little, more, little, a few more options here defensively. You know, under Brown, it was very much his scheme, his way of the highway. There wasn't a ton of of changing up as as many of many Michigan fans have watched. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're hearing about Aiden Hutchinson, Taylor Upshaw, David Ajabo, guys like that who are playing more in a, a stand up outside linebacker role because you're going to see guys moving around quite a bit, playing out of position that out of position that you're not normally used to hearing. You know, we talked to linebacker Josh Ross um, last week in Indianapolis, a big time media days. He said he's going to play more downhill, and, and that's something he wants to do. He's wanted to do for a couple of years now. He says it really fits his skill set, something he believes he, he can he can do. In the past, he was more of a middle linebacker, drop back type guy in coverage. So, you know, we could see him more in, in a pressuring situation. So I think you're going to see a lot of things with this defense. As Mike McDonald said, I don't think they're going to be dead set in their ways in one way or the other. And that'll allow them some, you know, some mobility, some, some a way to kind of adjust to the offense they're playing. And I think that's, that's quite, you know, quite different from what we saw here in the last couple of years under Brown. You know, I think it's going to be huge for Michigan to have non-conference games at the end of time. I did a, a little bit of an acclimation period in the first couple of weeks before they start big time play. Cause I'm sure it's not, it's not easy for the guys completely re- revamping this, this defense when a lot of these guys came to Michigan envisioning they would play a certain role and now they're likely playing a, a little bit of a different role. So it will likely take some time, but Michigan does have a few non-conference games this year to kind of get adjusted and, and see how these changes kind of take. So. Yeah, and I think that week two game against Washington is going to be really key. I mean, if they can play well and competitive, maybe not win the game, but at least show that they can hang in the game and keep it close, I think they're going to have momentum going into the Big Ten season. Now, is that going to mean they're going to, you know, catch some people off guard and surprise some folks? I, I don't know. Uh, but I keep harping back on, on this point from 2019 when Josh Gaddis came here in his first year's OC, how long it took that offense to get going, how many mistakes they had early, and how much time it took them to kind of get acclimated to things. And they were a hell of a lot more experienced in this defense. Granted, they do have some pieces back. They got some playmakers. But they, as, a, as a whole unit, they got a lot of work to do. So it's it, I'm anticipating a slow start. I don't think they're going to be great off the get-go. However, it, it's become clear to me in talking to players and hearing from Jim Harbaugh now several times 
that they have really taken a, a like to Mike McDonald and the new coaching staff and the way they teach the game and the way they're kind of presenting this defense. It, it almost seems like these players are eager to play for them. And maybe that wasn't so much so toward the end of last year for Don Brown. For sure. And I, I see Michigan was picked to finish fourth in the Big Ten East this year in, in the preseason poll. I mean, is that pretty accurate in your assessment or would you, would you have had them higher or lower? No, in fact, I had a vote in that poll, and I believe that's exactly where I had him, fourth place in the East. You know, I, I don't – obviously, Ohio State's a top dog at this point. There's no reason not to pick against them. Um, Indiana returns a ton of playmakers on offense. So it's Penn State's, I think, going to be a lot better than they were last year. They got a lot of pieces back, too. So I went with the Michigan fourth. I, I think that's right around probably where they deserve to be. Could they surprise, surprise some folks and maybe move up? Sure. But I, I don't anticipate a situation where – you know, they end up in the in the, the top two this year. There's just I don't I don't see it any any way it, it happens. Is that Michigan Penn State game in Ann Arbor this year? Or is- no, and it's in it's in Happy Valley, a place yeah. Michigan's really struggled to win, yeah. and, that, and that's one of their <laughs> their losses. I, I think they're certainly going to take, especially if it's a night game. It almost seems like every time they play there, it's one of those night game whiteouts, yeah. and Michigan just <laughs> has a really difficult time playing in that. As do a lot of other schools. I mean, to be fair, I mean Michigan's not the only one, but when you when you when you stick a young and experienced defense and a new scheme in there, and if Penn State's playing well. It could be a recipe for a, a long night. And anything else from media days before we move on to hockey? Not a ton. You know, I was really impressed, I guess, with the transparency from some of these players about what went wrong last year. We have a story up on MLive.com this morning, actually, about they spoke pretty, they were pretty outspoken about the cultural issues of last year and just the behind the scenes things that went on. They recognized things weren't right. Um, they understood that, that you know, that uh, things weren't going well. And I, I think there was a clear, desire from the, the the players behind the scenes that a coaching staff or coaching change was needed, at least from a coordinator perspective. So it, it almost seems like the, the players were happy Don Brown, Don Brown was dismissed. That being said, you know, Josh Ross was very um, respectful in that regard. You know, he said he spoke to Don Brown a couple of days before he was actually dismissed. And Don basically hinted to him that he was in hot water and he was on the way out. But, you know, Josh said, you know, he loved him and he respected him. I mean, remember, Don Brown was the one that brought Josh Ross. He recruited him. He utilized him. He, he's played him a ton. There really weren't, there wasn't a ton of bad blood. A lot of the folks like Don Brown, if you watched that, the Amazon Prime show a couple of years ago that Michigan was in, you know, he, he was a very animated person. He was fun to play for. I think that just, you know, over time that the scheme didn't change with, with the times and they just weren't recruiting the type of players that, you know, they needed for the system. So, you know, time moves on, you know, they understood it's a business, new coaches were in, and I, I think things are in better shape now than they were last year. Yeah, let's move on to the the NHL draft where the Wolverines made history over the weekend. Michigan had the first two players go in the draft, which has never been done before by a college team. Uh, Defenseman Owen Power went to the Sabres with the top pick and center Matty Beneers went second to the Seattle Kraken. Then defenseman Luke Hughes, a, a Michigan incoming recruit, was taken fourth overall by the Devils. And he's the third Hughes brother to become a top 10 pick which is also a first in NHL draft history. And then for good measure, to cap off a wild start to the draft, forward Ken Johnson was selected fifth overall by the Columbus Blue Jackets, marking the first time one college team has had three current players drafted in the first round of the same draft. And they all went in the top five, which is absolutely remarkable. Uh, I mean, you kind of knew even heading into last year how, how talented those three were, but for them to, to maintain their status and, and improve their their draft status in, in some cases and all going in the top five is uh, is pretty impressive. And 
they weren't done yet. They had uh, an, another player, incoming freshman, Mackie Samuskevich, who went number 24 to the Florida Panthers. So that's that's five first-round picks for the University of Michigan program. Pretty remarkable. And uh, there should be a lot of eyes in Ann Arbor next year as far as uh, a lot of hype and a lot of NHL scouts at, at a lot of the games. You know, it's really amazing to see that list. And you, you wonder, and I, that was the number one question that came to me when, when I was seeing the number the, those names fly off the board is how far Michigan might have went in the NCAA tournament had they actually been able to play. That talent and that, you know, productivity, I mean, cha- national championship was probably a possibility, right? Yeah, I mean, I, they, they definitely had a shot last year. I mean, with, with their talent level, I mean, their first-round matchup, if you remember, would have been against Minnesota Duluth, the two-time defending national champions who are very – a veteran team that's been there before, and they ended up making it to the, the finals again this year. Um, so it would have been a, a tough first game, but as far as talent-wise, I mean, Michigan can, can compete against anyone. But in college hockey over the last few years, it all hasn't really been the, the young, talented teams that have had the most success when it comes to tournament time. And so a lot of it has been these, these teams that, that get maybe not as, as talented of players, but they buy into the system. They're 22, 23 years old have that age and experience advantage and, and can pull off uh, some some upsets over these top talent teams. But again, it's sounding like that power veneers and Johnson are all leaning towards returning for the sophomore years at Michigan. So uh, yeah, Yost could be quite the attraction this winter because there's going to be a ton of talent on the ice every single night, whether that translate to winning the big 10 and, and, and being a top seed in the tournament and making a run too early to tell. But I mean, this, this type of talent on one college team, it's it's kind of unprecedented. I mean, there's a, a 05, 06 uh, North Dakota team had, had some big names, Jonathan Taves, TJ Oshie, a few other guys. But to have this much talent in this day and age will be uh, pretty fascinating to watch. Yeah, and it has to set up well for the future. Because if you're the Michigan coaching staff, you just point to that you know potential recruits and say, hey, we can get you the NHL, we can develop you. I have to think it, it's certainly going to be a positive thing for the Wolverines moving forward too. Yeah, no, for sure. I, mean, I think, yeah, Mel Pearson's done a good job. I've, I've heard too that that uh, assistant coach Bill McCulloch has played a, a really big factor in, in recruiting and helping bring some of these guys to Ann Arbor. And I mean, Red Berenson did the same thing too. I mean, he, he, he wasn't afraid to take some of these top talented guys that, were, that would be at Michigan for a year or two and then move on to the pros. So it's not like, this has come out of the blue. I mean, Red Berenson kind of set the precedent and bringing in these these top talent. I mean, Michigan came into into the draft with the most first round picks of any college team in history. So it's not like it's unknown for them to develop this type of talent. But to get five in the first round is pretty remarkable. The only question mark I would see right now heading into next year is goaltending. Uh, obviously, they lost Strauss Mann, who's been rock solid for them each of the last two years. Uh, he's foregone his, his senior season and has signed a pro contract overseas. It'll be Eric Portillo's net third round pick of the Buffalo Sabres a couple of years ago, got in a few games last year and played well. Still don't know if he can handle a, a full workload and, and be the number one goaltender on a nightly basis. So that's the one thing to kind of pay attention to. But other than that, they're going to have three, three lines that can score uh, some top pairing defensemen. It'll be, it'll be a fun team to watch. Sounds like it. Well, that'll do it for today's episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.